Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. When my children were very small, I have two children, Sarah and Matthew, and uh, they're much older now. But when they were really small, I can remember a a very good friend of mine uh, had three teenagers at the time. And we were sitting at lunch just talking about the difference between my preschoolers and her teenagers. And she gave me a little bit of advice that I always held with me. And she said, Jan, think about every time you get overworked or overtired with the little ones wanting to be with you all the time and you know needing something from you and all this just remember it make it a memory like a snapshot and put all those snapshots in your wallet and then when they get to be teenagers and there's conflict and tears and slam doors and there's all this stuff that comes with teenagers just pull out your little wallet and pull out those snapshots and take a look at them It's really an incredible thing that we have a memory. And when they grow older and things don't go smoothly, we can still see who they are just by looking at those photographs, those photographs that are our memories. And Dr. Seuss says it this way, I love those random memories that make me smile no matter what is going on in my life right now. Memory, I think, is one of the most extraordinary things that we have as human beings. Because if you can imagine, we carry around in our head every eight millimeter that our parents um, took of us. We carry around all of the the, uh, uh, video, all the picture albums, every diary, everything that has ever happened, we carry it around. It's mobile. We carry it around in our head. Not only that, it's an extraordinarily more supple and uh, far-reaching memory than just uh, something that's one-dimensional like a photograph. We can smell. We can, we can feel the watermelon running down our face. We can feel the baby's breath on our neck. We, we can actually viscerally go back to that. And so it's an extraordinary thing that we have a memory And we can access those memories, and those memories can help us when we're confused. They can help us sort out things and give us direction. They can companion us when we need to go alongside another person who's experiencing great joy or great challenge. Those memories are there to aid us and to help us. And then we mourn the loss of memory. I know I mourn it more and more every day. But we also mourn the ability to remember Remembering is a very significant piece in scripture also. If you were to sit down and read the Bible from one end to another in a very short setting, you would be shocked at how much remembering comes up as a theme. It, it, it comes up in every way. It's the, uh, for thousands of years, memory was the only way that people could really share with each other what was going on in their life. And what their history was. You know, it's real interesting. I was studying, um, uh, well, I was studying a a sense of anthropology one summer. I went up to uh, Berkeley. And there there was a sociology and anthropology class that was bound together. And in that class, they talked about how before the Jews, this was ancient, ancient. And before the first stories were ever written down, 
people had no sense that there was a history. They started when they started, and they ended when they ended. And so there was no history that was shared. And so people had no purpose. And it was when the Hebrew people came in with this sense of history and sharing this that the world began to experience story and began to experience what that means to have something in the past that influences the present and to have a purpose for the future. But for thousands of years, they relied totally on their memory. And over and over again, you hear about people who cry out to God to remember. They, try, they cried out Hannah's prayer as she sat at the temple year after year after year wanting a son or wanting a child because she was barren, no matter what. And it got to the point that she no longer had words for prayer, so her prayer was whittled down to two words, remember me. That was her prayer to the Lord, remember me. The Hebrew, the Hebrew people cried out to God when they were in slavery in Egypt, remember us, have you forgotten us? Remember us, Lord. And then we have the thief who spoke to Jesus on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And God made the same request and the same demands of us. God says to us, remember me. Remember my teachings. Remember my ways. Remember my relationship with you. Remember our walk together. So both the demands and requests from us and the demands and the requests from God is much more than a passive memory. That when, when we pray to God, remember me, when Hannah prayed to God, remember me, God, she wasn't saying, just have a brief thought of me. She was saying, give me a son. Remember my prayer. When the Hebrew people cried out, remember us, they weren't saying, have a, you know, just remember that we're your people. They were saying, deliver us. When we cry out to God and we say, remember us, we're not saying, just remember, we're saying help, do something for us. So there, there's action. It's an expectation in remembering that involves action. So this particular passage that we're going to be reading today is built on the assumption that lies at the core of Israel's testimony. And that assumption is that faith begins with memory. When memory fails, the faith community is threatened. That's the reality. And many things can threaten the faith community. What kinds of things take away our memory? They can be political and social threats. They can be enticements of ease and comfort and, and money and fame and success. It can be the lure of any competing god. It can take away our memory. Here in the 6th century time of this prophet, we have the destruction and exile of the people. This is when it's being written. After they've been, their, their civilization, so to speak, has been destroyed and, and overcome by Babylon. And they are sent into exile, dispersed all over the empire. And so despair and chaos reign in the people of Israel. And doubts about God's attention to their plight. And Yahweh's power to control and to direct their future threaten the establishment of the community. They begin to forget who they are. That's what the 
prophets are all writing about. They're writing to them to remind them of who they are and remind them of who God is. And so this passage, if you, if you read the passage, it's so interesting because it's structured by questions that call for Israel to remember and call for Israel to affirm the promises that God has made. So let's go to this scripture together. Listen for the questions. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them, and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, no one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youth will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord. The questions that are posed by the prophet, it makes it pretty clear to me that Israel's knowledge is not new information for them. This isn't something new that they haven't heard about before. That's set up by the very structure of the questions. Have you not known? These things are evident from the very foundations of the earth. It's knowledge of God's work in history and in the life of people. And it's knowledge that becomes relevant for contemporary crisis. It becomes relevant for the contemporary crisis that's happening in the day of Isaiah, and it becomes relevant for the contemporary crisis that's happening in our world today. The real problem consists of Israel's having forgotten what it once knew so clearly, that Babylon may seem strong and threatening, But Israel's forgetfulness is what really threatens the community. That it's forgetfulness of remembering the strength and the love and the capacity of God that threatens the community, not all the powers that are outside the community. So what happens to us when we forget our God? When we forget our God as the creator and the sustainer, When we forget God as redeemer and we forget God as friend, what happens to us? One of the things I can tell you is that when we confront trouble, 
We collapse with anxiety and stress. We wring our hands. We don't know what's going to happen. We're not sure. Our certainty goes out the window. We feel plagued with fear. Fear drives us away from each other. It drives us away from God. We begin to associate suffering with punishment. Uh, Somebody stopped me on the street yesterday. I was taking a walk. And a man stopped me and said, God is angry with California. And I said, you mean because of the mudslides, the fire, and the rain? And he said, yes, God is angry with California. We begin to associate punishment, suffering with punishment. And then what happens is we start to scramble ourselves to create solutions. We're like, well, God, you know, I'll help God along. And part of our solutions is to alienate ourselves from any circumstances that would cause us pain or discomfort. And then we look at God sometimes out of the corner of our eye, wondering if he even notices us. And then we wonder, if there is a God, then why? And you fill in the blank. And what about those people who may look at the current state of the world and wonder how God can be powerful and benevolent if wars still plague us, if poverty still cuts life short, if suffering continues unabated. I have my own opinions about that. My own opinions at how those things could exist in a world with God. But I know that, I know this, that we have become amnesiacs. We have forgotten. When those questions overpower our certainty, then we have forgotten. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not faint or grow weary. God's understanding is unsearchable. So you see, there's also a part of mystery that's rolled into this particular passage. Isaiah tells us that God's understanding is unsearchable. Isaiah tells us that we will never fully understand how God works in the world. But we can have enough wisdom to look at the history of the way God operates, the way God operates in community, the way God calls us together to care for each other, the way that we are given the opportunity and the possibility to be God's presence on earth with the face of the person next to us. We'll never fully understand why suffering continues and why evil seems to get the upper hand so many times. And God's understanding is not likely to be revealed to us instantaneously on a mountain or during a solar eclipse, as so many people believe. But instead, we begin to understand and to know how God works in the world through years of living with God, through years of living with God and with God's people. This is experience. You know, about 20 years ago, I remember I walked Uh, I was living in San Diego with my family, my children, my husband, and my mom was living with us for a little while while she finished out the work project she had until retirement. 
And I can remember coming downstairs and finding my mom laying on the floor. And I don't even know how long she'd been there. It was, it was the most incredibly surreal moment of my life. And I, I, I tried to pick her up, and she couldn't speak, and she couldn't move. And I began to cry, and I began to hold her and rock her. And, and we called 911, and they were on their way. And I remember putting my forehead to my mom's forehead and just telling her, Mom, I'm with you. Everything's going to be okay. I don't know what's happening, but we'll find out. And all of this stuff. Well, later, and she had about four of these sessions during the day. She had these TIAs, these trans-ischemic attacks, precursors to a stroke. And let me just say that she came out of that beautifully. This was when she was about 60, and she's going to be 82 next week. So she came out of it beautiful, but in those moments, for like 30 minutes apiece, she couldn't speak, she couldn't move. And I can remember after the day was over, I went into my bathroom and I went in the shower and I just cried and cried and cried. And in that crying, all the memories of how God had been present to me came flooding back. Of the miracles that God gives us every day. And not because my mom, at that time, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with my mom. So it wasn't because everything turned out. It was because I had a memory. It was because of years of exploring and seeing and reflecting and acting with God. It was over time through study and worship and practices of faith like hospitality and forgiveness and all of this stuff had had positioned me to be able to remember. That's what all of that was. All of that wasn't to make me a better person. It wasn't to make me a better Christian. It was to position me to remember who God was in that moment. To remember that no matter what comes about in life, that God is God and God loves us. And that with with that certainty... There is nothing that we can't face. And when we can't face it, we will hold each other as the people of God. When we do all of that and we have those practices that simply position us to remember, we come to a place of remembering. And in that place of remembering, we come to a place of knowing of knowing God's ways. And in knowing God's ways, we're provided with just enough light for the next step. It's all we need. Just enough light for the next step. And to trust God with the light after that and the light after that. Just like the people in, in brought out of slavery relied on God for manna every single day. And I tell you this, In knowing God that way, we are finally, finally free. Free of fear and free of the bondage of being held by anxiety and distress. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youth will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who? That's us. Amen. God, we thank you so much.
that in your great love and care for us, that you would see fit to come alongside us, to help us even in our forgetfulness to remember, to guide us with your word, your spirit, with each other. We pray that we might be a community bold in remembering, remembering that you are the God of all things, that you have called us to take care of each other. You have called us to give food, to give the labor of our hands and the love and burden of our heart to each other. And through struggles and suffering that we are one with you and that we have been called into your glory as well. We lift this day up to you, God, with a new chance to remember. And we thank you. And we pray all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. And in your love, you have given us a tangible way to remember. You've given us these ordinary elements, ordinary in that they have been made by our hands, ordinary in that they become nothing more, but extraordinary in that while taking them, we remember And in that remembering, your presence comes to us in a mystery that we cannot explain. We thank you, O God, that you are our creator, that you have come to us in person, love incarnate, that you did not abandon us or leave us lonely, but came and gave us yourself as comforter, counselor, For all these three, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we pray. Amen.